This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, December 14, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The taxes you pay on the last dollar earned would change under Obamacare. For low-income earners, the effects could be dramatic. And Obamacare could cause many Americans to stop climbing the economic ladder. That according to Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. The legislation before the House and the Senate would create new taxes and new government subsidies for low- and middle-income workers that, when looked at in combination, creates some serious disincentives for those low- and middle-income workers to climb the economic ladder, to take that extra job, to go back and, uh, and get an education or, or job training, to work extra shifts, to take that promotion, uh, because for every dollar earned, they will be able to keep uh, a very small share of that. They will, and sometimes a decreasing share of of that marginal dollar earned. Right now, under federal law, and even and I should say under the Democrats' legislation, no uh, wealthy American would pay a federal federal marginal income tax rate, or or a total marginal tax rate, of even fifty percent. But under this legislation, low and middle income earners would pay effective marginal tax rates that could reach uh, up to 60, 70, 80%, and in some cases would even exceed 100%, which means if they earn an additional dollar, they would not only lose that dollar, they would lose more than $1 and be worse off financially. The way that happens is through two mechanisms. One of them is the individual mandate that these laws or these, uh, this legislation would create. The way that Congress uh, implements this individual mandate is it says that if you are uh, a low-income worker, say maybe you make $15,000 for um, if, if you're a single adult, you only have to pay a small percentage of your income toward your, the health insurance premiums that you're mandated by that you would be mandated by law to purchase. But as your income rises from $15,000 a year to 20, 25, 30, all the way up to $45,000 a year. That percentage rises as well. So you have to devote an increasing percentage of your income to the mandatory health insurance that you have to purchase. What that does is it creates a new marginal tax rate that rises with your income. And at the so that's the first mechanism. The second mechanism is those same low-income workers would receive subsidies to help make up the difference. So if your health insurance premium costs $5,000 and what I call your mandate tax liability is only $1,000, well, then you would get a $4,000, what they call health insurance tax credit. It's really a subsidy to make up the difference. Uh, And on top of that, if you're a low-income worker, you get what they call a cost-sharing subsidy that brings you the value of your health insurance higher than the minimum that people are required to purchase. So you could have a health insurance plan that covers uh, uh, more of your medical expenses, a larger share of your medical expenses than people earning you know, twice as much money as you earn. What happens to those subsidies as your income rises is those subsidies fall. Those subsidies go away, they're phased out. And so it creates what economists call a cliff effect, where at certain points, when you earn an additional dollar, you could le- lose hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of, of health insurance. So you either 
lose that health insurance or you have to devote more income to maintain your health insurance, that creates uh, the same sort of effect that a rising, rising marginal tax rate does. It means that you get to keep less up of each additional dollar of income earned. So when you put all these effects together, what you see is that an individual who's starting at 133% of the federal poverty level would have to pay a, a, an effective uh, or would face an effective marginal tax rate of 50, maybe 60% all the way out until they increase their income all the way up to $45,000 per year. So from something like 15 to $45,000 per year, they are only getting to keep 50 or maybe even only 40 cents of each additional dollar earned. And when you look at families of four, the situation gets even more perverse. You can you have situations where families of four who are increasing their earnings, and we're talking about families of four who are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. When they're increasing their earnings and they're only getting to keep 20 cents out of every additional dollar earned because they're losing so much in government subsidies and they're losing so much to the new taxes this legislation would create. In terms of the actual incentive effects on low-income people, which may be very much higher than it is for higher-income people, especially if the marginal tax rate at some point is more than 100%, that could lead a low-income person to decide um, to actually choose to lower their own income. Absolutely. And there's evidence that people respond to the incentives created by taxes and government subsidies for low-income people. If you remember the welfare reform debate that we had back in 1995 and 1996 before Congress passed welfare reform in 1996, the biggest concern there was really that people were becoming dependent on the welfare system. They were not exerting any self-help. They were not trying to lift themselves up by their bootstraps. One of the reasons was if they tried to uh, work more, earn, increase their earnings, they lost so much in government subsidies that they were no better off financially. And what's particularly pernicious about this legislation before Congress is it creates these moments, these cliffs, as economists call them, where you're, if you increase your earnings by $500 or $1,000, you could actually suffer a loss in total income that is greater than those amounts maybe $600 or $1,200, and so you're worse off financially. Where those cliffs exist, there's a huge incentive for people to stop trying to climb the economic ladder, and people do respond to those incentives. One of the charts that you showed me essentially looks like a heartbeat, and that is where those cliffs exist. Marginal tax rate goes up over 100%, comes back down, and unless you're able to increase your income, pretty dramatically. In some cases, you're stuck in some ways. That's true. Unless you can increase your earnings by thousands of dollars at a time, you could see some serious you could see a reduction in your in your total income. And when we look at that at that graph that shows the margin the effective marginal tax rates for low and middle income adults and and, and families of four reaching over 100%, it's easy to focus only on those peaks, only where on those spikes where you go over 100%. But what's going on uh, below that is even when you're not uh, in, it, 
even when your effective marginal tax rate is not spiking like that, it is still steadily growing much faster. It, it is higher than under current law, and it is growing faster than, than under current law. What else might people do in response to these changing uh, tax rates? Well, the individual mandate is, it's in essence, a tax. You have to purchase health insurance whether you want to or not. And uh, in a lot of cases, people would have to purchase more health insurance than they want to. There's another as- the two other aspects of, of the legislation that are important here. One of them is a requirement that insurance companies have to take all comers and charge them all the same rates regardless of their health. And then a provision that says that if you don't comply with a mandate, if you don't purchase health insurance, you're going to be assessed a penalty. Those penalties are really rather small compared to the insurance premiums. So take those three features of this legislation and think about the incentives that they create. The government's requiring you to buy a very expensive health insurance. Um, if you don't buy it, you have to pay a nominal penalty. And if you choose not to buy health insurance and pay that nominal penalty, then anytime you get sick, you can sign up for health insurance and get it right away at the same premiums as everyone else. What that does is it creates an enormous financial incentive for people not to purchase health insurance, to wait until they are sick and only purchase health insurance then. And if you look at the legislation, the incentive for people and families to drop their health insurance coverage, pay the penalties, and just wait until they get sick before they purchase health insurance is enormous. In some cases, families could save $7,700 per year using that strategy. And again, get health insurance whenever they need it. Michael Cannon is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book, Healthy Competition, available for purchase at Cato.org.